and welcome to the Limitless Landscapers podcast. I'm Paula, your host as always, and today I'm talking about how bizarre the landscaping industry really is. I don't think you'll want to miss this episode. It's quite an interesting conversation. So let's get on with the show. As the founder of the Landscaper Circle and the Limitless Landscapers podcast, I am here to help you get more money, time and freedom to make your life and business truly limitless. Through my experiences as the owner of a garden design and landscaping business and through tried and tested methods, if you want help with the marketing, managing and growing of your business, then you are in the right place. If you are a landscaper, garden designer, horticultural business or a supplier to the industry, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. Hope you guys are doing well. I am. And I'm bringing you quite an unusual subject or topic for the podcast today. And I felt compelled to record this because I had a really good discussion with a couple of people in the landscaping industry. And we were discussing recruitment training, social media, marketing, everything that we talk about in TLC and how it applies to the landscaping industry. And then we started talking about the bizarreness of the industry and belonging to an industry the landscaping industry like we do and how we've managed to actually navigate it and how really I question how we haven't gone out of our minds because when you start looking at different areas of the industry and what we do as landscaping and design specialists it really is bizarre so I thought I'd take you on a bit of a journey down why this is bizarre and really a light-hearted podcast that hopefully you can relate to in your business. Um, so I kind of identified four areas where this industry is different to others. And, you know, when you're looking at marketing and sales and stuff like that, I've trained in this for many years prior to being a landscape business owner. Um, they always say, well, you can apply this to every business. And I would say that's not strictly true when it comes to landscaping. There's many things that you cannot apply to a landscaping business in a sales and marketing sense, but that's going to be part two of landscaping industry and its bizarreness. So that's going to be my part two, which will come next week. But for part one, I just wanted to talk about the things we do as landscapers and, you know, it's really around the bizarre expectations people have. So number one is pricing. It's a hot topic at the moment because product prices are going through the roof. There's still some issues with supply, yet the bizarreness around this very issue is the fact that one, some companies are allowing their prices to be held for as long as, as long as, you know, a piece of strings so saying that whatever quote they put out will stand which is completely bizarre in a business sense because you're just going to lose money and you probably won't have a business at the end of it. So that's one thing. But the second thing is customers expect you that I've had recently a couple of clients come to me and said, You've qu you quoted for us in 2020 and the price was X. Well, it's not going to be the same now, is it? And who the hell keeps a quote from two years ago? I, I just... That is a bizarre thing, a bizarre phenomenon in the landscaping industry that they just expect this price that they were given, whether it's years, months or weeks ago, is just going to stand, you know. And, you know, a few years ago, it probably would stand for longer than now. But at the moment, with the prices fluctuating as they are, you just cannot hold your price 
for that long. So um, that's number one, the pricing element and quotations expected to stand. Then you've got your staff expectations. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, all of us have had some issues around recruitment in the industry. I'm very lucky. I've just taken someone semi-skilled on that I'm hoping is going to develop and become a really great member of the Aura Landscapes team. But over the years, I've seen many things when it comes to staff that what they expect. So they kind of expect that because they work for a landscaping company, that they don't have to wear shirts um, during the summer months. Now, you may be laughing at this because, you know, you may be thinking, yeah, I don't wear a shirt in the summer months or my stuff. I don't care if they don't. Well, I kind of do. So for many years, I've made this a rule, particularly when I came on board prior to me being here, they probably did have their shirts off. But as a client and as a, you know, their boss, I really don't want to rock up on a site visit and see all these men with tops on, tops off, sorry. I just think it looks really unprofessional. Um, also, you've got to be mindful of uh, sun cancer and issues like that, sunstroke, working outside all day. So just keep your shirt on. Um, but when I first implemented this, like I think it was eight, nine years ago, um, the, the backlash I received from the staff because they thought it was normal to go to work and take their top off because it's hot. Honestly, again, bizarre, because you wouldn't go to an office job and start stripping off down to your underwear. It absolutely wouldn't happen. And people would think you were mad if you did it. So why do they think it applies to when you work in a landscaping industry? And I get you work outside, but I don't think you have to take your tops off to do so. Um, I think it looks a hell of a lot more professional if you keep them on. Um, I certainly don't want to see, see that. And I don't know if many of my clients would. And also along the staff expectation lines is, they kind of expect to, and again, this is past, maybe not so much present. Um, I don't know. It might be for some of you. They expect to be able to smoke while they're working. Again, if you worked in an office job, you would have to go out for a cigarette break. You would certainly not be able to smoke at your desk and you wouldn't be doing it in front of a client. So why do it here? Again, I, I think of this along the lines of being more professional. And they just expect to have, you know, like, expect to have music playing really loudly all the time well again i have no problem with music and things be, you know the radio being on while they're working on site but i have had clients that have complained that it's too loud so again it's sort of communicating with your client before you do that whether they mind but again it <laughs> these things don't apply outside of the industry maybe in some trades i i will take my hat off and say yes but Generally, if you're looking at office jobs, um, civil servants, anything like that, none of this you would do. Um, but our staff kind of expect that. They also expect like, I don't know if you've experienced this, um, but they expect to, you know, if a little bit of rain's happening, oh, we won't work today, will we? Well, it's meant to be clear in an hour. So yeah, we will work, won't we? Um, and yeah, it's just the <laughs> mad staff expectations um, that, they just expect, and I was discussing this with Paul from Holland Landscapes, who agreed with me and brought up some more quite interesting staff expectations. Um, also, the third thing is clients. Um, they expect you to spend your time with them for free. So in any other case, they would go and 
pay for time. So they would have a consultation, they would pay for it. They would go and see a lawyer, a barrister, they would help, you know, they would go to a gym, they have to pay to access it. But when it comes to using our knowledge, they think it should be free. And the amount of conversations I've had recently with potential clients, well, they're not, but they inquire with us, um, then they're completely shocked that we charge a site visit fee. And then they want an ex entire explanation around it. And it's quite frustrating because I personally value the time that my designer and Mike spends with clients. And I personally, you don't make any money from the site visit fee, although we, cert well, we certainly don't. But it's kind of a loss leader. It's kind of just a token gesture of they, they value our time as well. And if they're not willing to pay that small site visit fee, they are not really the client I want to deal with. But again, it's their absolute shock uh, that I have on the phone where they're completely aghast that I dare, you know, I dare to charge for our time. Um, and it's their complete lack of respect for the industry in general. Um, these types of clients, potential clients that you get where they expect you to be at their beck and call um, when they're available, not when you are available, when they're available, can't you just do a weekend visit? Well, actually, no, I, I actually value the fact that I give our, our staff time off. Um, they've got families as well. Um, and they expect you to get a quote to them immediately, obviously. Um, and again, because we do charge for our site visits and our time, they often throw that in as if we've done them an injustice um, and that we are not going to deliver their quote, even when they've been told an estimated time between site visit and quotation being delivered. Um, there is still, I, I literally had one last month where he said, I actually feel um, that I've been sold something that I'm never going to get. He had waited two weeks. I'm sorry, but at the moment, you're, you're looking to wait at least 21 to 28 days before you get a written quote and specification. It takes time and it's a busy time of year. So um, it's, that's how they feel. And they, they really don't value, you know, this is the bizarreness of the industry. A lot of those clients don't value our knowledge, don't, don't value the time we've spent training. They don't value the time that we're spending with them. And they just expect us to, to continue to do free site visits and to continue to show up and provide them with quotations that, that, that they can look, you know, compare against 10 other people. Um, and I just think it's unreasonable. And I just don't think you get that in many other industries. Um, you know, you call a plumber, you've got an issue with your, you know, your boiler, you call a plumber, you pay a call out fee immediately. Um, and they're not cheap. You have a problem with your landscape and drainage or anything like that. They expect you to come out for free. They're then going to ask three or four other competitors down the road. So waste their time as well as yours. Um, and then go for the cheapest. And then when it goes wrong, they're quite upset that it's gone wrong. Um, it's just unreasonable expectations to expect someone who has spent time developing their knowledge and skills and becoming a reputable um, designer and installer that they expect it for free. Um, and that really does make this industry truly bizarre. And the fourth and final thing that I just think is completely bizarre is the fact that we are a very an unusual industry whereby there are no formal vetting procedures. So as a landscaper, you could set up, as, well, as Joe Public, you could set up tomorrow as a landscaping specialist. No one would know. Most consumers 
are unaware of what goes into a quality landscaping um, or quality design. So you could technically just set up tomorrow and start landscaping or garden designing and away you go. You, there is no true formal qualifications. You can choose to do formal qualifications. Um, you can choose to sign up to appropriate associations such as the APL and Bali to ensure that you get vetted um, and you, you and your business are actually reputable and you can prove that. Um, and you can choose to install correctly to British standards and you can choose to be trained um, effectively by good training providers, but you don't have to. And that's, that's the most bizarre part of the industry is there's no regulations. There's nothing to hold you accountable if you are truly a cowboy landscaper, if you truly have no idea what you're doing um, as a garden designer. Um, and it's quite sad and shocking. So many consumers um, know little about true landscaping. They watch these TV programs that don't always give a true, you know, overview of what goes into um, a garden or driveway or an outdoor space creation. And that's what they think things cost. And it's not true. So it's kind of the fact that we're completely unvetted and unregulated. Um, and the only way you do get vetted and regulated is through your choice and it's personal choice. And it's also financial choice because you do have to pay for these things. Um, and if you're a new company, it's very hard to then justify that cost um, at, at the start of your business journey. Um, so yeah, that, those are the four areas, in fact, that I feel is why this industry is so super bizarre. Um, Another element that I've just remembered is the fact that whenever you recruit for staff, whether it be trainees um, or anything like that, half the time they show up and then don't come back or they don't show up in the first place. So you could have a really good recruitment campaign and you could get lots of interest. You contact everyone. They sound all right. You, you whittle them down to a final few. You say to them, let's get you in to see how you're doing. They either turn up on day one and then don't come back or they don't turn up at all, not even to the interview. And I say that loosely, you know, it could be just to come on site and see how you do. But I don't know that in many other, I mean, I've worked in you know corporate setting granted um i worked in sales and marketing i've run my own teams and i very rarely have people not turn up for an interview i mean you might have what the one odd one or two but in landscaping it's you're ever hopeful that they're actually going to show up in the first place um it's a very high percentage of people that apply for these jobs that they say they want but actually don't show up um and i find that completely bizarre Anyway, I could go on about other foibles in the industry, uh, which are truly bizarre, but I won't. I'm going to save that for part two. Um, and yeah, what a bizarre interest industry we, uh, we reside in and work in. But I love the industry, so I must truly be bizarre as well. I'd love to know your thoughts on this, because um, I'm sure you, you have thought of things that are completely insane um, in the industry when you're working in it. So please get in touch info at thelandscapercircle.co.uk. If you love this podcast, please subscribe and please do leave a review. It helps other people find this podcast created for landscapers, garden designers and horticultural businesses created by one of you as well. I've been in this industry for 12 years. So 
and I, I can't believe I've only found four areas, which is completely bizarre. I'll have a think on that ready for the next episode. But have a wonderful week and I will see you next Wednesday. Bye.